It's Morning Edition here on NHPR. I'm Rick Gamley. This is the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into this week's top headlines. Election recounts are underway for state house races, and with a closely divided New Hampshire House, the outcomes could be crucial in determining policy and which party will hold the majority in the legislature. NHPR's senior political reporter Josh Rogers has been covering the recounts this week. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Rick. Uh, election recounts for state races, nothing new. It happens every election year, but this year it's been a, a bit unusual. I say that's fair. Uh, the early flip seats uh, in some of the House recounts, uh, seats in Manchester and Berlin, of which flip from uh, Republican to uh, Democratic hands, the tie in Rochester, which hasn't happened in a state house race in 1992, and subsequent to and subsequent to that, the reopening of the Manchester seat that had apparently flipped. Uh, that recount's going to be resumed after discrepancies emerged. Maybe 25 ballots being uncounted during the recount, and that race, the recount race, ended with a one-vote margin. So that uh, that race uh, seems like it's a good chance of flipping back to Republican hands. Um, you know, the high number of recounts, 31 overall, 28 in-house races, um, you know, the razor-thin margin in mm-hmm. the New Hampshire House, uh, regardless of how things end up sorting themselves, uh, will be the closest in 80 years. So, you know, that's all going on. And then there's just the heightened interest in recounts in election administration, election hygiene, uh, more generally in both parties uh, in this <laughs> political moment. Uh <laughs> You know, it felt like a long campaign season um, in the making. Uh, it now feels a bit longer. And the ballot law commission meeting right after Thanksgiving, which will sort of iron out any uh, remaining disputes, uh, is going to be interesting and likely to be very well attended. Yeah, when Republicans did have the majority um, after Election Day, a very slim one. Where do they stand now that we're at the end of the, this week of recounts? Again, I know with more recounts to come next week. Um, but I, I, it is 200 Republican, 198 Democrats, and, and those two races up in the air with more recounts to come. The tie in Rochester, which could be settled by a ruling of the ballot law commission on disputed ballots or potentially by the House itself, either by a straight House vote or if they follow precedent and and sort of send it back to the community for another vote. Um, You know, that race is an interesting one because in some ways it's sort of a throwback uh, House race. It features Two candidates who are very well known in their community, Chuck Grassi, the Democrat, David Walker, the Republican. Actually neighbors, aren't they? Well, they they live about a half mile apart is my understanding, but they do live on the same street. Um, They had served together on the city council, stretching back decades. They have a cordial relationship. They respect each other, um, you know, both in their respective public service trajectories and, you know, they've, they're familiar with each other, which isn't always the case uh, these days. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But it sounds like no matter the outcome of these remaining recounts, Josh, the House will, will be closely divided. What does this mean for policy given the next legislative session? We don't, I, I can't say I really know. Uh, Jason Osborne, the current Republican majority leader, has told WMUR that, uh, quote, no partisan bills uh, will get passed. Uh We'll see. I mean, partisan bills of all sorts are certainly going to be debated and in a tightly divided House. Um, you know, what gets prioritized or not prioritized is going to be interesting to watch. Uh, what this means for the state budget is probably 
got the biggest implication off the top. That's the big issue, obviously, in the first term of a session. And, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of like sort of vote wrangling uh, yeah. all, all session long. In the yeah, House. always an interesting thing to watch the budget process, but maybe a little bit more interesting this time around. Uh, earlier this week, Republicans reelected current House Speaker Sherman Packer to be their party's choice for speaker in the next session. Democrats electing Representative Matt Wilhelm as their party leader yesterday. What's ahead for them as as these party leaders, you know, look at a divided house. Well, uh, getting people to show up. I mean, house attendance is always, uh, you know, kind of an open question, um, particularly, you know, during the pandemic. There were lots of people who stayed away. Whether that affects, I uh, think, this winter, uh, let's hope not. It will be one thing to watch. You know, Sherm Packard's a known quantity. He's been in the house for a very long time. Um, you know, his his leadership as speaker, you know, he, he showed perhaps a more hard-edged sort of partisan side than than some um, had seen him display in Concord before. But, you know, the, people know who they're dealing with with him. Uh, Matt Wilhelm, who won election yesterday, is a newer face. He, he served in Concord two terms. He's from Manchester. He had he headed the Democrats uh, House Democrats election arm, did a good job uh, raising money, fielding candidates, uh, you know, Democrats chipped away at the at the Republican majority by about 10 seats uh, yesterday after winning election over former House Speaker Steve Shurtleff. He said that he spoke of his caucus as being a barrier to uh, what he described as extreme GOP policies. Um, but he also said that he hoped to work across party lines. Uh, we'll see how all that pans out and maybe cross party coalitions will come. Um, but, you know, blood is still a bit up. We're, we're, election wasn't wasn't so long ago. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true to say. Uh, NHPR's Josh Rogers, thank you. You're welcome. You can find more of Josh's reporting, by the way, at NHPR.org, as always. It is Morning Edition from NHPR. We're recapping this week's news. If you've got some questions about what's going on in the state and want to inform our reporting, email us at voices at NHPR.org. The federal government won a lawsuit against the New Hampshire-based company Library last week. Library is a blockchain-based publishing company co-founded by Jeremy Kaufman, a Manchester man who ran for U.S. Senate this year as a libertarian. The New Hampshire Bulletin's Ethan DeWitt has been following the case, and he joins us now to talk a bit about his reporting. Hey, Ethan, thanks for coming in. Glad to be here. Now, uh, what does Library actually do, Ethan? Like, what kind of services does this company provide? It's, it's a little hard for some of us who may not be following this. Yeah, so essentially the concept is a file-sharing platform, so that could be videos or other content, um, and it's decentralized. That's sort of the key for the founders. So unlike YouTube, uh, there's no company that's sort of, uh, according to them, that would be sort of... Um, at, you know, monitoring the content and potentially, in their mind, censoring it. It uses a digital technology that basically uses a ledger, but it essentially means that it does not need human intervention, so it operates without centralized control, and thus the founders say that it is uh, immune to, to censorship. Okay, so why did the federal government sue library? Well, so the, the Securities and Exchange Commi um, Commission... Uh, had an issue with one of the mechanisms within this platform, which were credits. So when the platform was launched, the company issued credits. You could buy these credits to access the uh, the, the, the company. And these, cre these credits sort of worked like crypto um, currencies in, in a certain way. They were, they were sort of like tokens. And so you could buy them and that could get you access to the content. But it also could, it was a, it was a primary funding mechanism for the company. It was a primary way that they sort of financed their operations. The more people bought into bought these credits, the, the better the company could do. So the Securities and Exchange Commission argued that actually these credits 
um, acted like a security, which is sort of like a, a stock or a bond, and they should have been registered as such because people could buy them as investments and then later sell them at a profit. And that for that reason, they should have been registered with the SEC. They weren't, and so the SEC brought an enforcement act. Yeah, so therefore they fall under regulation when library claims they didn't. Was that library's main defense against these allegations? Yeah, library was basically saying that the credits were not primarily um, meant to be used as investments and that the founders had discouraged their use of investments. They said that the credits are uh, had a utilitarian purpose, the f a functional purpose. You bought the credits so that you could share this content, whether it was, again, videos or, or whatever on this, on this platform. And they also said that the credits were marketed as a way to support the concept of what they were trying to build um, to allow others to support their they were not meant to be a money-making operation, um, but of course, the credits did rise and fall with the Bitcoin, with the cryptocurrency market. At one point, they rose uh, a significant amount, and anybody who had bought them could have sold them uh, for a lot of profit. So mm -hmm. the SEC said, "Well, on paper, this is acting as a, a security." So the SEC won that lawsuit against Library. So what does it mean for the company's future? Well, it's uh, pretty grim for the company. The SEC essentially. Uh, um, the, the, sorry, the, the U.S. District Court in Concord ruled with the SEC motion, which had called for the disgorgement of all ill-gotten gains from the unlawful conduct set forth here. Uh, what that actually means in practice is has yet to be hammered out because there is a settlement process that's sort of in the works. So it may not be, uh, you know, completely the end of the company. But I did talk to um, the company's CEO, and he did not have. Um, the greatest outlook for where the company itself was going next. Yeah. Jeremy Kaufman, who did run for U.S. Senate in New Hampshire this year as a libertarian, is the co-founder of the company. What what was he saying specifically about that ruling? Well, he said that um, he kept his options open. Obviously, they are kind of working through the settlement with the SEC, but he did say that the company itself uh, might not rebound from this financially. However, he did say that the software that they developed, the protocol, he said it's used daily by millions and that the code is open source, meaning that others can use it and adopt it. And so he said that the, that the goal of his to create this decentralized content sharing platform will still continue in some way or another, even if it's not library itself that is carrying on that work. And he had some 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 interesting words to say about the SEC, didn't he? Yeah, he con compared it to a mob operation. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people in the cryptocurrency world are frustrated with how the SEC has dealt with cryptocurrencies over the years. Um, they say that because the SEC is so focused on enforcement and not focused on kind of changing their own regulations to try to accommodate cryptocurrency, that they feel discriminated against. And they also feel that there aren't any real avenues to go about this legally. Um, Kaufman told me that that he didn't he, he, the way he sees it there wouldn't there wasn't an easy way for them to register um, their credits as securities because of the SEC's um, very difficult Byzantine process. So his argument is that even if we had wanted to register and even if we thought we needed to, uh, we wouldn't have been able to. Um, and some academics agree with him. Well, what do those academics uh, academics say? I mean, you've talked to some. Uh, they studied cryptocurrency regulation. What, what what's their response to this ruling? Yeah, so they, they, what I heard was that this ruling has been pretty typical. And in fact, it's not actually common for these cases to even make it into a courtroom because the SEC usually uses its power to force these companies to settle before it, go, it, it you know, sees a judge. So the fact that this made it to a district court is interesting in that sense. Um, but the SEC has, been, has continued on this pattern, uh, according to the academics I spoke to, and they also see it as an issue for the industry. And what they say is that the answer is not to shut the SEC out of the process entirely, but 
but for Congress to pass better and modern, more modern regulations that are both supportive of but tailored to blockchain technology to kind of allow for that avenue that Jeremy Kaufman is saying doesn't exist, to allow for them to come in and kind of do uh, register the legal way, um, but to kind of better tailor it. The SEC chairman, I should say, argues has defended his actions, and he says that nothing is in the U.S. securities laws is incompatible with crypto markets, and he says that the key for the SEC, just like anything they do with stocks and bonds, is to protect investors. Uh, and so he has indicated that he personally doesn't want a change of direction. But again, observers are saying that Congress should take a look at this. Right. It's going to have to go down to legislation at some point, possibly. Yeah. New Hampshire Bulletin's Ethan DeWitt, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Glad to be here. You can find more of his work in an excellent article about this, uh, uh, by the way, at NewHampshireBulletin.com. You can find all the stories we talked about today, as always, more at NHPR.org. And while you're there, we suggest you also check out the New Hampshire News Quiz. It's a quick, fun, and informative way to test your knowledge of this week's news. You can sign up to get the quiz emailed to you, or you can check it out every Thursday evening at NHPR.org slash quiz. We'll be here next Friday with more top headlines, as always. I'm Rick Ganley. This is NHPR.